Okay, praises be to our loving Father that we are able to continue studying the book of Revelation. We are in Revelation chapter 15, so we're almost towards the end of completing the entire book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 14, which we discussed last week, focused on the vision that the Apostle John received concerning the Harpazo. That's, that's why there are people in heaven, and from the Harpazo group of people, there was the 144,000 who would follow the Lamb wherever he goes. And after this vision in heaven, the shift returns to earth where we find that the beast and Satan, the Antichrist, will reign, yet the angels are sent to communicate the gospel so that those who are left behind can continue to place their faith in Yahusha and obey the Ten Commandments that they may overcome the devil and overcome the power of the beast. And so that was Revelation chapter 14. We will now move to Revelation chapter 15. And let's read verse 1. And this is what it says. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And so Revelation 15 opens with what the Bible calls another sign. And when it speaks of another sign, it is to connect it to the first two signs in heaven that were given. Now, what were these first two signs that were given? If you still remember, Revelation chapter 12, 1 to 3, uh, tells us the following. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, uh, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars, then being with child, she cried out in labor and pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. And so the two signs mentioned in the Holy Scriptures, in Revelation 12, we find uh, the great sign, which is about the woman and the child. We discussed this in detail when we studied Revelation chapter 12, and we found out the woman represented Israel and the child represented Yahushua. And so Yahushua would be called, he would be sent to be the savior and redeemer of Israel. So Israel and Yahushua, and when Yahushua completed his work of redemption, he ascended to heaven, and eventually, there was a first group of people who would go to heaven because of the Harpazo event. And so that's the first sign. The second sign, called here another sign, is about the dragon. We know what the dragon represents. That is no other than Satan himself. And so we have the first sign, Israel and Yahushua. The second sign is Satan. So what is the third sign? If we go back to Revelation 15.1, then I saw another sign, the third one, right, in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. So the third sign is about the completion of the wrath of God, which is the pouring out of the seven last plagues. And so we have the seven trumpets, and then we have the seven bowls, of the wrath of Elohim. And so that's the third sign. First sign, Israel and Yahusha. It is about Yahusha's work of 
redemption and restoration leading to the harpazo. And then there are people left behind and Satan and the beast powers, the Antichrist will reign for a while. That's the second sign. The third sign, the wrath of Elohim will bring judgment upon the earth to conclude the age of humanity leading to the millennium, leading to the eternal kingdom of Yahuwah in heaven. And so the, uh, the, the, these three signs basically tell us the history of man and the work of redemption and restoration. And so after seeing this sign, what else does the apostle John see? Let's read verse two. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And so what we find in the next vision is Apostle John describes the victory over the beast. Question, when is this going to take place? This vision that the Apostle John sees. Uh, we are pretty certain this will take place at the millennium or after the beast has been overtaken because these people have victory over the beast. Now, who are those who will have victory over the beast? Well, those who were left behind, yet they had faith in Yahushua and kept the commandments of Yahuwah Elohim. And so they did not accept the number of the beast. They did not accept the mark of the beast. And so they overcame the beast. And because of this, they also get to eventually go to the kingdom of heaven. This is why it mentioned they are standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And so this speaks of the victory of those who would be left behind. Revelation 14 represents those who are harpazoed. This one is about those who have victory over the beast or those who have been left behind. And so they're standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. Now, why do they have the harps of God? Let's read Revelation 15, uh, 3 to 4. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Yahuwah God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Yahuwah, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. For all the nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. And so why was this vision given? What, what, what did the Apostle John see concerning those who had overcome the beast, those who are in heaven in his vision? Bible says they sing the song of Moses and they sing the song of the Lamb. And when they sing the song of Moses and they sing the song of the Lamb, what does this bring? It brings glory to the Father. And he, it specifically says, who shall not fear you, O Yahuwah, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. And so this song communicates glory to the Father, and it's connected to the name of Yahuwah. You see, the purpose of the song of Moses and the purpose of the song of the Lamb is to give glory to who? Yahuwah. I mean, why do people sing songs, right? 
What is the purpose of our hymn singing? What is the purpose of our praise? It is to give glory to Yahuwah, the Song of Moses, the Song of the Lamb. It is to communicate glory. But for one to receive glory, they need to be first identified. This is why the Bible says, who shall not fear you, O Yahuwah, and glorify your name. And so to glorify the Father, we need to first introduce who the Father is. And so in the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb, it is imperative that his name be proclaimed. Because how can he receive the glory if his name is not associated with the work that he has done? For you alone, the Bible says, are holy. And eventually, according to this vision of the Apostle John, all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. You know what that is speaking of? That's the millennium, right? Because in the millennial kingdom, all nations will gather under the banner of Yahushua in Jerusalem to worship Yahuwah forevermore. And so what we find in Revelation 15 is the vision of the millennial kingdom, the victory of Yahuwah over the adversary. And so that's what the song is all about. That's what Revelation 15 is all about, a vision of the millennial kingdom. And so the third sign, the wrath of Yahuwah would be instrumental to bring about the millennial kingdom. Now, why is that? Because if you still remember, when we discussed the seventh trumpet, at the seventh trumpet, there was an announcement made from heaven and the announcement announced, of course, the coming of the kingdom, the millennial kingdom of Yahuwah that would be led by his son, Yahusha. Now, before it can be implemented, there are two things that need to be done first, preparing the officers of the kingdom, right? This was done when the harpazo took place, and there are people who are set apart and prepared when they face the judgment seat of Yahusha the bima judgment of Yahusha wherein the rewards are given. And so there will be those who will be selected to return to earth with Yahusha as their leader. And they're going to fight the final battle and destroy forevermore the beast and the false prophet, including Satan himself, who will be in prison. And so this is all part of that long event. And after this, we have the removal of the existing kingdoms. How will this take place? The, how will the removal of the ten, the existing kingdoms of the world, those who are side, who sided with the Antichrist and the beast, how will this be executed? Revelation 15, 5 to 6. After these things, I looked and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was open. And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen and having their chest girded with golden bands. And so in the vision of the apostle John to carry out the work of judging the nations and destroying the kingdoms who banded together with the antichrist and waged war against Yahushua. What does the apostle John see in his vision? Seven angels and each having the seven plagues. What were these seven plagues? Let's read verse 7. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls 
full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And so the seven angels in the vision of the apostle John, what was given to them, it was the golden bowls full of wrath because these seven angels represent events which are the wrath events, the wrath of Yahuwah manifested upon the earth. And we'll talk about the seven bowls of judgment, the seven bowls of wrath in Revelation chapter 16. So it's in Revelation 16 that the Apostle John details uh, the contents of these seven bowls of wrath events that will destroy uh, humanity in preparation for the final battle. Now, all of this is going to achieve one purpose. What is that? Let's read the final uh, verse, not of our study today, but the final verse in Revelation chapter 15, verse 8. This is Revelation 15, 8. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no, no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. And so in this vision of the Apostle John, we see the glory of God represented with smoke. You see, everything that happens in human history, it's for the glory of who? Yahuwah. Our calling is for the purpose of glorifying Yahuwah. Everything that we must do as called once, as set apart once, is, should be for the purpose of glorifying our almighty Elohim. And so the Bible says the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Because once that's completed, what will happen? It will usher in the millennial kingdom. Because that's when Yahushua, together with his saints, will return to earth to bring into fulfillment, officially, the kingdom of God. For the glory of God. And to achieve this glory of God, what are the events that will lead up to it? How is the glory of God communicated? If you so remember, they sing the song of Moses and they sing the song of the Lamb. And the purpose of the song is to glorify, first to identify Yahuwah, and then to glorify him as the only true God that no one is like him, and then to bring worship and glory to his name. And so the work that is depicted in all of human history is the work of glorifying God because of his work. Now, what work is that? That is being glorified, that is depicted in the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb. This is why we titled this episode, The Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb, because those two songs, when connected together, tells us the complete story of what Yahuwah did, the works of Yahuwah, that leads to his glorification, okay? So what is that? What are the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? Let's begin with the song of Moses. We find the song of Moses in the book of Exodus. Let's turn first to Exodus 14, uh, 30 to verse 15, verse 1. So Yahuwah saved Israel that day out of the land, out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus, Israel saw the great work which Yahuwah had done in Egypt. So the people feared Yahuwah and believed Yahuwah and his servant Moses. 
Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to Yahuwah and spoke saying. And so what we find here is the event, which we call the Exodus, because prior to this, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt and they cried out to Yahuwah. Yahuwah responded to their cries by sending Moses. And he told Moses, tell Pharaoh to let my people go. But stubbornly, Pharaoh refused. And so Yahuwah told Moses that he will show signs. And these signs include the 10 plagues. And so after the 10 plagues, Pharaoh concedes and says, okay, you can go. And so the people of Israel are traveling across the wilderness. And then who pursues because of stubbornness? Pharaoh and his army. So what did Yahuwah do? Yahuwah, he blew the Red Sea. And, and the, the Red Sea parted, and the people of Israel were able to cross the Red Sea. When Pharaoh and the armies attempted to do the same thing, they were destroyed by the wall of water that collapsed on them. And so they saw the work of Yahuwah, that his arm was almighty and all-powerful. And because of this, Moses and the people of Israel were moved to sing a song. We call that the Song of Moses, right? And the Song of Moses is found in Exodus 15, 1 down to 18. And it has three sections. Let's go through the sections of the Song of Moses. It has three sections and a conclusion. Let's read the book of Exodus 15, 1 to 6. And I want you to kind of notice something here. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to Yahuwah and spoke, saying, I will sing. To Yahuwah, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. Yahuwah is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Yahuwah is a man of war. Yahuwah is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains, captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Yahuwah, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And so in this first section of the song, what we find is basically introducing that Yahuwah is Allahim, right? That he is Allahim who destroyed Pharaoh and his armies. This is why in this first section, it mentions Yahuwah is his name. You see, prior to this, people have lost the name of Yahuwah. People did not know who Yahuwah was. This is why when Moses was called by Yahuwah to deliver the people of Israel, Moses asked Yahuwah, okay, if Israel, will, the people of Israel will ask, will Ask me, well, what's his name? And Yahuwah says, my name is Yahuwah. And then he said, Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya, right? And one of that is the one who delivers. One of the meanings of Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya is the one who is faithful in delivering his people, completing the work that he has promised that he will do. And so he introduces himself as Yahuwah, Ahaya, Asher, Ahaya. And so when this was done, it was fulfilled that they escaped uh, Pharaoh, that they were liberated from bondage in Egypt, 
they, he mentions again, Yahuwah is his name. He has delivered on his promise. So that's the first section. It's about Yahuwah is the name of Allahim. But there's a second section in the song. What is that all about? Let's read 7 to 11. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You uh, sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Yahuwah, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? And so in this section of the Song of Moses, we are reminded that Pharaoh and his armies, even though they experienced the 10 plagues, they weren't convinced about Yahuwah because these Egyptians also had their own gods. And but because of their own gods, they decided we can still defeat the Israelites because we have more gods than they do. And so they pursued the Israelites all the way through the Red Sea, but the sea engulfed them and destroyed them. And what did this demonstrate? It demonstrated, verse 11, if you notice, who is like you, O Yahuwah, among the gods. And so in the first section of the song, it introduces that the God of Israel is Yahuwah. That's his name. In the second section, it tells us that this Allahim of Israel, Yahuwah, he's unlike any other so-called gods. Because no one is like him. This is why when we read the Ten Commandments, the very beginning of the Ten Commandments is what? I am Yahuwah, your God. There's no one like me. You will have no other gods but me because there's no one like me. And so he is, Yahuwah is, Moses is telling the people through the song that Yahuwah is not just a God. He is the God of God. There's no one like him because he's the only true Allahim who created all things, right? And so that's the second section. There's no one like Yahuwah Allahim. So what's the third section? Let's read. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You in your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling with uh, trembling, will take hold of them. And all the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as a stone. Till your people pass over, O Yahuwah. Till, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. In the place, O Yahuwah, which you have made for your own dwelling. The sanctuary, O Yahuwah which your hands have established, Yahuwah shall reign forever and ever. And so after establishing the name of the, the Allahim of heaven, that he's different from other gods because he's the only true God, 
The Bible says eventually, verse 14, the people will hear and be afraid and eventually worship and glorify Yahuwah. Because remember, before this, nobody knew Yahuwah. His name wasn't famous because he has been forgotten during those times when Israel was in Egypt in bondage. And so people did not know about Yahuwah. Well, what does Yahuwah want? He wants glory for himself. And so he selects Israel and he charges Israel with the work of glorifying him. This is why eventually what Israel is supposed to do is to bring all nations, all people to this place of reverence that they will give glory to Yahuwah and worship him forevermore. And so that's the third section of the song. It's about all nations fearing, worshiping, and glorifying Yahuwah. So the first section, Yahuwah is his name. Next section, he is not just a God. He is the only true Elohim. Next section, all people, all nations will come to bow down before him, revere him, worship him, and glorify him as Elohim. So that those are the three sections of the song of Moses. It's all about identifying the only true Elohim who needs and should be glorified. This is why the work of glorifying Yahuwah, that's very central to the work of the Holy Bible. Its purpose is to tell a story that glorifies Abba. In Isaiah 42, 8 to 9, it tells us, I am Yahuwah, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you from the very beginning up until the end of time. Forward motion of the events of human history is to achieve glory for Yahuwah Elohim. This is why everything is happening. It is for his glory. And so Yahuwah chooses Israel to communicate that Yahuwah is the only true God who is to be worshipped by all nations. In other words, Israel was chosen so that they can be the ambassadors to the people of the world, not just for themselves. They were not meant to keep this to themselves, but to tell other people about the name of Yahuwah. That's what Israel is supposed to do. They're supposed to act as messengers of Elohim so that people will know about Yahuwah, so that people will worship Yahuwah. This is why in the conclusion of the song, it says, for the horses of Pharaoh went uh, with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and Yahuwah brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And so the people of Pharaoh, the armies of Pharaoh, they perished in the sea, but those who emerged from the sea on dry land were the people of Israel. And so Israel was set free, right? They were delivered from the hands of Egypt. And so Israel was set apart, taken from Egypt to fulfill the purpose of glorifying Elohim and to bring other nations to glorify him as well. So that's the song of Moses in Exodus 15, 1 to 18. Yahuwah is his name. There's no one uh, like Yahuwah. All nations will fear, worship, and glorify Yahuwah. And Yahuwah delivers Israel so that Israel would be the one to proclaim his name and, and to get the people to understand that he is the only true Elohim. And so to destroy the other gods, the other so-called gods, right, including Molech, 
and Baal, Ashtoreth, the other different types of gods that we find in Canaan. And so Israel was supposed to do that so that Yahuwah would be the only true God that people would know because that's what brings glory to him. So Yahuwah delivers his people of Israel. Remember, this song was inspired by the event that took place uh, when they were delivered from Israel after the miracle, right? After the Dead Sea, not the Dead Sea, but the Red Sea miracle. So this took place after the deliverance from Egypt. They sang the song after Yahuwah delivers them from Egypt, okay? However, there actually is also another song of Moses. There's a, a song of Moses in Exodus 15, but there's actually another song in the book of Deuteronomy 31, 14 and 15. Then Yahuwah said to Moses, the time has come for you to die. Call Joshua and present yourselves at the tabernacle so that I may commission him uh, there. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves at the tabernacle and Yahuwah appeared to them in the pillar of cloud that stood at the entrance to the sacred tent. We find here the book of Deuteronomy. Remember there are five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. What is Numbers all about? It's about the punishment of Yahuwah. So Israel had to stay in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. You had the 40 years journey. And throughout the 40 years, they had to be taught faith. They had to be taught how to trust Yahuwah. Eventually, they learned. Right? The, old, the older people began to die out. A new generation emerged. And so Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, he retells the covenant. He speaks again about the, the, the laws of Yahuwah. And so there was a retelling of the covenant. That's what Deuteronomy is all about. It was about the speech or the sermons of Moses. And so time comes when they're at the threshold of the promised land. They're about to enter the promised land. But Yahuwah says to Moses, you're not going to be the one to lead. You're going to die. And so commissioned Joshua to be the appointed successor who will lead the people of Israel to the promised land. And so we are at that point where Israel has finished the wilderness journey, and they're about to enter the promised land. And so before they enter the promised land, what does Yahuwah command them to do? We read uh, up to 15, let's read verse 19. So write down the words of this song and teach it to the people of Israel. Help them learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. So he, here we have another song. The first song was after deliverance from Egypt, right? And so after that, Yahuwah, they're going to go through the wilderness experience, and then they're about to enter the promised land. And so the second song is before they enter the promised land. So the first song, after deliverance from Egypt, Exodus 15, 1 to 18. The next song is before entering the promised land, right before Moses died. So what is this song about? What is the purpose of this song? Why does Yahuwah Command Moses, teach them this song. Let's find out. The Bible says, help them learn it so it may serve as a witness for me against them. Oh, boy. You know, Yahuwah knows all things. Yahuwah knows that his people, Israel, they're not going to be faithful to him. And so he wants the people of Israel to memorize this song. Because when it comes to memorizing material, if it's cast in song form, it's easier to memorize. He wants to make sure that they will know this song 
so that it will serve as a witness against them in case they break the covenant because Jehovah makes a covenant with them. So what is that song all about? Why does Jehovah say that it may serve as a witness for me against them? Let's read verse 21. And when great disasters come down on them, the song will stand as evidence against them, for it will never be forgotten by their descendants. I know the intentions of these people. Even now, before they have entered the land, I swore to give them. So Yahuwah knows already their intentions. And so even before they enter the land, Yahuwah knows they're going to betray him. Yahuwah knows all things. And so he says, remember the song, so that when they're being punished for breaking the covenant, because in Deuteronomy, Yahuwah gave them the blessing and the cursing. If you do this, you'll be blessed. But if you do not, you're going to be cursed. Yahuwah gave them the covenant. Yahuwah gave them the stipulations of the covenant. The blessing and cursing, if they obey blessing, if they disobey the curse, right? And so eventually they're going to be punished. And so when they're being punished, while they're in their punishment, they're going to remember the song. <laughs> and so it will serve as a witness against them. And so what did Moses do? Well, he obeyed. So that very day, Moses wrote down the words of the song and taught it to the Israelites. So Moses recited this entire song publicly to the assembly of Israel. Well, what is that song? That song is contained in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Let's take a look at the contents of this song and look at the theme. Because it communicates to us something about the work and faithfulness of Yahuwah. Let's read verse 1 to 2. Remember, this is a song, but I'm going to read it. I'm not going to sing it. Is that okay? I don't want to sing it. I'll just read it for you. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. And so it's telling us that the words of Yahuwah is much needed. It is a blessing. What else? The song also says, I will proclaim the name of Yahuwah. So again, you know, in the song, it always mentions the name of Yahuwah because the purpose of the song is to give glory to who? Yahuwah. I will proclaim the name of Yahuwah. How glorious is our God. He is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is faithful. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. And so the first part of the song <coughs> basically establishes the faithfulness of Yahuwah Abba. And that's one of the meanings of Asher Ahaya or Ahaya Asher Ahaya. <coughs> right? The faithfulness of Yahuwah, one who commits to his covenant and to his people. And when, Yahuwah, when in the song it describes the faithfulness of Yahuwah, it's contrasted with the faithlessness of his people. So when we go to five to six, but they have acted corruptly toward him when they act so perversely, are they really his children? They are a deceitful and twisted generation. In this, is this the way you repay Yahuwah, you foolish and senseless people? Isn't he your father who created you? Has he not made you and established you? And so the song communicates to us the faithfulness of Yahuwah God, in contrast with the unfaithfulness of Israel. Right? So Yahuwah is the one who delivers, 
the people of Israel using miracles and wonders. That's, that's what the first song was all about. The second song is about how Yahuwah has taken this people whom he delivered and grooms them, prepares them to become his own people with whom he will establish a covenant. This is why in 32, 7 to 9, as we further the song, this is what it says. Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire your elders and they will tell you. When the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to Yahuwah. Jacob is his special possession. And so in the song, it reminds the people of Israel how special they are. Because when Yahuwah divided the human race, by the way, do you know when that happened? When did Yahuwah divide the human race? Tower of Babel. Because of the Tower of Babel, languages, the, 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 uh, conf the, uh, the confusion of languages created dispersion. And naturally, when this dispersion happened and certain people understood certain people, they were the ones who were together in a certain landmass. And so they established their own nations, right? And their own human race, and their own race, and their own nationalities. And so there were different regions, different places, different races. And for each of these allocations, Yahuwah assigned an angelic being to rule it. But Yahuwah says, for Israel, I will be the one to rule it. And so Yahuwah set apart Israel. The other uh, human, the other land, the other kingdoms, the other nations, other angels were in charge to rule over them. But Yahuwah says, this one is mine because Jacob is his special possession. You see how special Israel is? And so Yahuwah handpicks, Yahuwah sets apart Israel. And what else does Yahuwah do for Israel? Let's keep reading the song. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of men, he fixed the bounds of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. For Yahuwah's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So Yahuwah's claiming Israel for himself. And because Yahuwah claims and sets apart Israel for himself, what, does he, what did he do with Israel? Deuteronomy 32. He found them in a desert land right? In an empty howling wasteland. He surrounded them and watched over them. He guarded them as he would guard his own eyes, like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. So he spreads his wings to take them up and carry them safely on his pinions. Yahuwah alone guided them. They followed the foreign gods. He let them ride over the highlands and feast on the crops of the fields. He nourished them with honey from the rock and olive oil from the stony ground. He fed them yogurt from the herd and milk from the flock together with the fat of lambs. He gave them choice rams from Bashan and goats together with the choicest wheat. You drank the finest wine made from the juice of grapes. And so in the song, Yahuwah is described as the one who took care of Israel. And in Hosea, we also find the description of Yahuwah, how he cared for Yahuwah as though he was the father of a, a son, like he called him Ephraim, remember? And so Yahuwah is being portrayed in the song as the one like an eagle that rouses her chicks and hovers over her young. So he spreads his wings, takes them up, and carries them safely on his pinions. And so Yahuwah 
is the refuge. He is the provider. He is the protector. He's the one who guides his people, Israel, because Yahuwah claims Israel for himself. Why? So that Israel would be ambassadors to tell the earth about Yahuwah, that he is the only true God and that people should worship the only true God and give glory to him and to him alone. So Yahuwah faithfully sets apart, he set apart and established Israel as his very own by making a covenant with them. Yet despite Yahuwah making a covenant with his people Israel, and despite the kindness and the provision, the guidance, the protection, Yahuwah gives his people what happened to them as they began to prosper. Let's read. But Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. And they abandoned the God who had made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. They stirred up his jealousy by worshiping foreign gods. They provoked his fury with detestable deeds. And so Yahuwah takes care of his people of people Israel. And so what happened to Israel? They prospered. That's what it means to become fat. Fat represents prosperity. And so his people Israel becomes prosperous. But when they became prosperous, they took lightly the, the, the light of the rock. They made light of the rock of their salvation. They took him lightly. They took it for granted. Eventually, they ignored him. And then eventually, they would worship the gods of the other nations. They worshiped foreign gods. What else did they do? Let's read uh, what it says in verse 17. They offered sacrifices to demons which are not God, to gods they have not known before, to new God, to new gods only recently arrived, to gods their ancestors had never feared. Remember what they were supposed to do? They were delivered for the purpose of letting the people know that Yahuwah is not like these other gods, that he's the only true God, but instead Israel is sacrificed to demons and all these false gods. And so they were not fulfilling their purpose. They did not give glory to Allahim. They betrayed Allahim in heaven. Verse uh, 18 20. You neglected the rock who had fathered you. Yahuwah was like a father to them. Israel was like the eldest son, the firstborn son. You forgot the God who had given you birth. Yahuwah saw this and drew back, provoked to anger by his own sons and daughters. He said, I will abandon them, then see what becomes of them, for they are a twisted generation, children without integrity. And so because of the betrayal of the people of Israel, instead of giving glory to Yahuwah, they worshiped other gods and they had forgotten Yahuwah, Yahuwah would abandon them. And so after Israel prospers, Israel repeatedly betrays Yahuwah. And so Yahuwah, what does he decide to do? So that his people Israel would learn a lesson. Let's read Deuteronomy. They have roused my jealousy by worshiping things that are not God. They have provoked my anger with their useless idols. Now I will rouse their jealousy uh, through people who are not even the people. I will provoke their anger through the foolish Gentiles. And so Yahuwah is going to bring judgment upon his people Israel because he was provoked to anger because of the idolatry and the immorality. Common theme we find with the people of Israel, Yahuwah fathers them, Yahuwah takes care of them, Yahuwah provides for them. But when they begin to prosper, they forget all about Elohim. And so what do they do? They forget about Elohim and they worship other gods. And so Yahuwah says, in his anger, Yahuwah will use Gentiles to punish them. And so what happened? 
Verse 22, 23, for my anger blazes forth like fire and burns to the depths of the grave. It devours the earth and all its crops and ignites the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters upon them and shoot them down with my arrows. So Yahuwah himself will punish his children, Israel. And in this punishment, he will fulfill what he said in Deuteronomy, the blessings and the curses. And so what will be experienced by the people of Israel? It says they will die from hunger and fever. They will die from terrible diseases. I will send wild animals to attack them and poisonous snakes to bite them. War will bring death in the streets. Terrors will, terrors will strike in the homes. Young men and women will die. Neither babies nor old people will be spared. I would, I would have destroyed them completely so that no one would remember them. But I could not let their enemies boast that they had defeated my people when it was I myself who had crushed them. And so what would Yahuwah do to bring judgment upon Israel so that they would be disciplined? The Bible says hunger and fever, they will die of terrible diseases. They will be attacked by poisonous snakes. They will be consumed by war and terrors. They will be destroyed, but Yahuwah does not destroy them completely. There's always going to be a remnant. And that's one of the patterns that we find in scripture. Yahuwah takes care of his people because he commits to his covenant. So the people of God prospers. But after a while, they forget about God. So what does God do? He punishes them. He gives, he abandons them. But in so doing, he always sets apart a remnant. He doesn't completely destroy his people. And what does he say about his people, Israel? Israel is a nation without sense. And when you think about that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, think about what Israel saw with their own eyes, right? I mean, the miracles of Yahuwah Abba, which makes you wonder. I mean, if we were alive during the days of Israel and we were one of the Israelites and we saw with our own eyes what Yahuwah himself is able to do, the miracles and wonders, I mean, would we even entertain the idea of ever betraying Yahuwah? No way, right? That does not make sense. But Yahuwah says concerning Israel, it's a nation without sense because what they did does not make any sense at all. And you begin to wonder why, right? Because they have no wisdom at all. The Bible says they failed to see why they were defeated. They cannot understand what happened. So Yahuwah is telling us, you know, when bad things happen, we need to examine our life. That's how you develop wisdom. You're being punished, you learn from it. You don't have wisdom when you're being punished. All the more you become stubborn. <laughs> That's what happened in Israel. They did not develop wisdom. So all these years in the wilderness, throughout the divided kingdom, during the, during the kingdom, divided kingdom, they were unable to really learn. And so the Bible says that they do not make sense. They have no wisdom because they haven't learned from the past. And so we have to make sure we're different. We have to learn from the past, right? So that we can develop wisdom, so that we can make better choices for the future, Okay. Why were a thousand defeated by one and ten thousand by only two? Yahuwah, their God, had abandoned them. Their mighty God had given them up. So we have in this section of the song, Yahuwah punishes Israel into captivity. But, of course, Yahuwah will not give up on them. Yahuwah still remembers them. And so Deuteronomy, as the song continues, their enemies know that their own gods are weak. Not mighty like Israel's God. Their enemies corrupt as Sodom and Gomorrah are like the vines that 
bear bitter and poisonous grapes. And so Yahuwah, he's not going to completely destroy his people. There's going to be a remnant because the enemies that enslave them, they're like Sodom and Gomorrah. And so what will Yahuwah remember? 34, 35, Yahuwah remembers what their enemies have done. He waits for the right time to punish them. Remember, Yahuwah works on his own time. He has his own timeline. And what happens from Genesis to Revelation is according to his timeline. It's the work of his redemption. And so all the events that transpire in history, we call it his story, right? History means his story, Yahuwah's story, because he's in control of all things. And at the right time, he's going to punish the enemies of Israel. Verse 35, Yahuwah will take revenge and punish them. The time will come when they will fall. The day of their duty is near. And when will this take place? Deuteronomy 32. Yahuwah will rescue his people when he sees that their strength is gone. He will have mercy on those who serve him when he sees how helpless they are. We call this hitting rock bottom. <laughs> because when you hit rock bottom, when you no longer rely on your own strength, there's only one way, there's only one thing to do, that is to rely on someone other than yourself. Sometimes as human beings, we have this tendency to kind of rely on human wisdom and human strength. We face a predicament. Maybe it's COVID, maybe it's war, maybe it's plague, maybe it's um, trouble, tribulation, maybe it's war and violence. And so we always have this tendency to use human wisdom and human strength. So we rely on doctors, we rely on scientists, we rely on our political leaders. There's nothing wrong with you know, going to get medication, nothing wrong with ha having someone help you in time of need. However, we should never place our trust and hope in human wisdom and human power, right? And so the Bible says when, you, when Yahushua is punishing his people, it will become, the punishment, punishment will become so bad that they really cannot look towards anyone else to help them. They cannot turn to themselves because they're helpless. They cannot turn to other people because they want them destroyed as well. And so they have no choice but to call upon who? Yahuwah. Sometimes Yahuwah brings us to a place where the only choice really is to turn to Yahuwah. Beloved brothers and sisters, we have to examine our life. Maybe all along, the reason why there are things happening, the reason why there's misfortune in our life is because Yahuwah wants us to look up. He wants us to develop wisdom. He wants us to place our hope and trust in him. Israel, when they were abandoned to punishment, when they were abandoned to captivity, eventually they would learn to look up to Yahuwah. But again, the pattern repeats itself. Once Yahuwah forgives them and they, Yahuwah prospers them again, what happens to them? They go back their own ways. We have to make sure we don't do the same thing. And so when Yahuwah realizes his people are truly repentant, what will Yahuwah do? Let's read 43, the conclusion of the song, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement for his land and his people. And so there's a happy ending after all. The song that Yahuwah gave to Moses to tell to the people of Israel is a song of joy, really. It doesn't begin that way. But it points to the end because it has a good ending. It has a happy ending. What is that? He will provide atonement for his land and his people. And so 
the land is going to be redeemed. And so there's going to be a kinsman redeemer. Remember that? The kinsman redeemer. Because Yahuwah has a plan to redeem his people Israel and to redeem also the land. And this is part of the song that was memorized by the people of Israel so that when they're being punished, they know they have hope. Yahuwah never completely abandons his people. Yes, Yahuwah disciplines, but for the purpose of his children to learn to look up to him and place his trust in him. And so at the conclusion of the song, Yahuwah gives hope because Yahuwah promises he will redeem and restore Israel. And so what we learn from the song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32.143, which was saying, right, before entering the promised land, Yahuwah faithfully set apart and establishes Israel as his very own by making a covenant with them, okay? After Israel prospers, Israel repeatedly betrays Yahuwah. And so Yahuwah punishes Israel into captivity, but Yahuwah has a promise of rede redeeming and restoring the people of Israel. And so we have two songs, right? Song of Moses, which is after the deliverance from Egypt. Yahuwah wants the people to know his name, that he is the only true God, that he is to be worshipped, that he is to be glorified by all nations, which will really only happen during the millennium. Millennial. And so what we have here communicated in the song is the event that will complete it, which is the millennial kingdom, right? So it's a foretelling of the millennial kingdom. And so to get this done, he sets apart a nation for himself. He delivers the people of Israel. And so that's the song of Moses. So we have the song of Moses, and then we have the song, uh, in the song of Moses in Exodus, and we have the song of Moses in Deuteronomy. And so we see how it flows, right? When the Bible says, Yahuwah delivers, he sets apart his people Israel, he makes him his own. But then Israel does not fulfill the purpose, which is to give glory to Yahuwah. And so they're punished, but Yahuwah will have a promised redeemer and restorer. This is why the song of Moses in Exodus is not complete. It's incomplete. The song of Moses in Deuteronomy is also not complete. Why? Because it ends with a promise, right? The promise is not yet fulfilled in the Old Testament. And so it needs to be completed. So what do you think will complete and complement the song of Moses? Yeah, that's why we have the song of the Lamb. And so what is the song of the Lamb, which completes the song of Moses? Revelation 5, 6 down to 7. And I look and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders to the Lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. We talked about this vision of Revelation 5 in our study concerning the kinsman redeemer, because Yahuwah has a scroll and no one is worthy to open the scroll, which contains the seven seals, except for the kinsman redeemer. And who is that? Who is worthy? The lamb is worthy. And so when the lamb is identified as being worthy to open the scroll, which contains the title deed, because the promise in the book of Mo in the song of Moses is that there's going to be atonement for the lamb and atonement for the people, right? And so that's the work of the kinsman redeemer, which we studied in Revelation chapter five. And so to complete the song, 
to provide the redeemer and the restorer to provide the atonement for both the people and the land, well, there has to be the lamb who is worthy. And so when he is identified as the lamb who is worthy, what happens next? Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And in verse nine, and they sang a new song saying, what was the song? Well, here it is. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. And so what we find uh, in the book of Revelation 5, 9 to 10 is a good description of the song of the Lamb. The song of the Lamb communicates to us what he did as the lamb of God. This is why it's the song of Moses and the song of the lamb, not the song of the king of kings. Because the song of the lamb, the song of the lamb describes what he needed to do to achieve the purpose of the song of Moses in Deuteronomy, which is to atone for the land and to atone for the people, right? And so Yahusha is going to be the lamb. And as a lamb of God, what had to happen to him to redeem the people of all nations and tribes onto Yahuwah for reconciliation? Well, he had to die. He had to be slain. This is what the song of the lamb is all about. That Yahusha would be, would be put to death, that he would be slain. So that by his blood, we would have redemption. And by his blood, we would eventually have restoration with kings and priests leading the people of Israel, the restored Israel, in the millennial kingdom. And so what we find in the Song of the Lamb, the Lamb is slain to redeem all nations. And then Israel becomes a nation of kings and priests led by those who are ruling with Yahusha. Okay? And then what, hap what, then what happens after that? Well, the song kind of continues. Let's keep reading, 11 and 12. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And so as the song continues, Bible tells us that worthy is the lamb to receive strength, power, glory, and blessing. So the lamb is given honor, glory, and blessing. And then it concludes in Revelation 5.13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And so what we find here is that the lamb not only is to receive honor and glory, the Father is receiving the eternal glory, which is what he set and set apart Israel to do. Remember the introduction of the song? The introduction of the song of Moses in Exodus introduces himself as Yahuwah. Yahuwah is his name. And what was the purpose of Yahuwah, of his creation? It was so that people of all nations would give glory to him. Israel fails. 
Israel is punished, but Israel is restored through Yahushua. And when Yahushua would fulfill his work, it will result in glorifying Yahuwah forever and ever. And so the song of the Lamb in Revelation 5, 9 to 13 speaks of the Lamb being slain to redeem all nations. It speaks of Israel becoming a nation of kings and priests and bringing a kingdom. The land, is, the land is given honor, glory, and blessing. Yahuwah and Yahushua is given honor, glory, and blessing forever and ever. That's the eternal kingdom. And so what we find here is basically the song of the Lamb communicating redemption and restoration towards the eternal kingdom. And so what we have, these three songs, it communicates to us the work of redemption and restoration. You see that? Yahuwah's name, right? Yahuwah is his name. It begins with his name. You cannot glorify Yahuwah without knowing his name. This is why the work of proclaiming his name is so important because we cannot give glory to Yahuwah unless we mention his name. I mean, it's like a person who is... Uh, who wants to receive glory? And let's say, for example, they went to the Olympics and they win a they, they win a medal, right? And then the medal is given to them, but it's given to the man from California for winning this um, competition, right? It just mentions a man from California. <laughs> it doesn't mention his name. Does he get the glory? Oh, the Bible entered in the Song of Moses in Exodus, Yahuwah tells us his name, that he is the only true Elohim. And in the second song, Yahuwah delivers his people Israel for a purpose. That's why he establishes a covenant with them so that they will be the ambassadors upon the whole world, so that the whole world will worship and glorify Yahuwah, but they fail. But then Yahuwah does not give up, right? And so he gives a redeemer, a kinsman redeemer, a restorer, who is that? Yahusha. And he succeeds because he died for the sins of mankind. The purpose of the song that was established in Exodus 15, continued but failed in Deuteronomy 32, is consummated in Revelation 5, the song of the Lamb. So the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb communicate the story of mankind's redemption, right? What's the purpose of the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb? The song of Moses and the song of the Lamb speak of Yahuwah's love expressed in the redemption and restoration of mankind through the death of Yahusha for the glory of Yahuwah Abba. So the song is glorifying Yahuwah. And this was achieved by the work of our King Yahusha. And so we know that the central theme of redemptive history, as Yahuwah expresses his love in redemptive history, its purpose is to glorify Yahuwah. And so we too must glorify Yahuwah. But for us to glorify Yahuwah, the Bible says we need to know his name. Because if we don't proclaim his name, then we're giving the glory to someone else. That's why he says in Isaiah 42, I am Yahuwah, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See the former things have taken place and new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. And so to be able to glorify Yahuwah, we need to first proclaim his name. The work of glorifying Elohim is connected to proclaiming his name, Yahuwah. This is what we find throughout history. And who also has the duty to proclaim that name. If we keep reading, verse 10, it says, sing. 
to Yahuwah a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. And so brothers and sisters, we have the duty to basically do and fulfill what the purpose of Yahuwah is in setting apart his people. That is to glorify him. So even those who will come from the ends of the earth, who will come from the islands of the sea, we must glorify Yahuwah in our songs, in our worship. But before we can do that, we need to first proclaim his what? His name. This is why in the assembly of Yahusha, we proclaim the name of Yahuwah. We proclaim the name of Yahusha so that we can glorify Yahuwah and his son, Yahusha HaMashiach. Okay? That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Almighty and loving Father Yahuwah, thank you so much for your blessing, for calling us to be your sons and daughters. We know our purpose. We are to proclaim to the world that you, loving Abba, you are the only true Allahim. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth, and that your name is Yahuwah. And so in our songs, we will praise your name, Yahuwah. In our prayers, we shall declare your name, Yahuwah. In teaching and proclaiming the word that you have given us, we will proclaim your name, Yahuwah. Because, Father, we want to give honor and glory to you in all that we will do. Our King Yahushua, because of you, we are able to give glory to Abba, to approach his presence, to receive his blessing. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. You are the lamb that has been slain. And because of your work of redemption, we can hope for salvation. And when you return, you will return as a king, as a lion of Judah, that you can be the king over all the earth to be king of kings and lord of lords. We await your, turn, your return eagerly. Teach us to affix our hope and our trust upon you. And may you please always strengthen our faith. Father, thank you for listening to our prayers. Help us always to share this message of salvation, that more people will come to know about your name, proclaim your name, and give glory that is due to you. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.